Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. You're listening to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. We pick up right now where we left off last week with Dr. Giannoli. Well, I thought for sure you that you would believe that Obamacare is going to fix this all up. Don't you think that's the case? <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about that is Obamacare, uh, from my business standpoint, will help me immensely uh, because it's going to cause more and more uh, waiting lines. Uh, so when uh, they call to, to go to see one of my competitors, they're going to say, sure, uh, we have an appointment for you in nine months. Or they can just come see me in a couple of weeks. And so consequently, it's going to help me immensely. The other thing is, you know, the, the doctors that are taking Obamacare are going to be so ridiculously busy that the complicated cases they're not going to want to deal with, which is what I deal with. And it's going to help my practice. Now, what bothers me about Obamacare is not my personal practice. It's what do I do if I need health care? What do I do for my family, my children, when they need health care, and that's what really scares me. And it should scare you, because that's really the future. As, we, as a transition occurs, it's what's going to happen in the future that should make you petrified. It certainly does for me. Um, you know, I have children, too, and, and I'm concerned about what are they going to do 10 years or 15 years from now if they need health care. It's really not going to be available. So let me ask you something. I mean, talk to us about how you made that transition. How, how did you actually go about it? What were the steps you took? What did you evaluate? What made you think, you know, I can really do this? How did that happen? Well, I'll be honest with you. The, the thing that really pushed me into it was because I didn't think I was going to be able to practice good quality medicine if I stayed in the system. Uh, it sort of started with a letter we got from Medicare saying that they were going to reduce the reimbursement, you know, how much would they would pay us for one of our standard 
uh, test for evaluation, evaluating inner ear function, the ENG test. And they wanted to reduce the cost of it lower than how much it cost us to do the test. So basically a, we had That's a great a idea, options. isn't it? <laughs> Isn't that, that? Great, isn't that a great idea? You just reduce. Oh yeah, because the then it's just—it's not a matter of making it up with volume. It's just a matter of how quickly do you want to go broke um, if you kept doing the same thing. So there, there was basically two options: we could either reduce what we did during the test to to bring our our cost down below what they were going to pay us, or just get out of Medicare, continue to do a good quality test, and just charge a reasonable price. And that's what we did. And in fact, at this point, you know, nine, ten, well, actually, well, we're going on 13 years since we've been out of Medicare. The, the ENG test that we do now includes a whole bigger battery of tests than we did back then. Our price is still very reasonable, whereas if you look at my competitors, their test has shrunk considerably because they don't get paid for it. And so if you compared the two, you'd say they don't seem anything alike. And it's because of the effects of Medicare, basically. So that was the first step. And then, you know, we eventually figured out if, if we were going to stay in the system, we'd have to do see patients in five minutes, and there's no way you can uh, evaluate somebody with a complex inner ear disorder in five minutes. And so that's what led the decision to, to move away from uh, from the third-party system. So the mechanics of how we did it was we just slowly looked at the plans and would eliminate one, wait a little while, then eliminate another, wait a little while, until eventually we were completely off of all of them. And so it was a kind of a gradual shift that we did. We finally were completely off of uh, all of the third-party uh, insurances about nine years ago. You know, I, and then when we first did it, I mean, the biggest fear most doctors have when they do this is they're afraid, oh, my God, no one is going to come see me. They're going to go see the guy down the street because he takes their insurance. And we certainly did see a drop in volume in the first two years. But eventually the word got out that we provided higher quality. We spent the time with the patients, and we've gradually built up a practice that now, uh, basically, my next new patient uh, available appointment's a month from now. Uh, so we're doing very well uh, just with strictly cash-based practice. I saw that you also, your office manager, did some interesting calculations, and she looked at the your reimbursement versus your overhead for the services that you did. What, what kind of information did that give you? Well, absolutely. That was one of the keys in deciding which ones to get rid of first. Uh, there were some that we, we, you know, when you put the numbers into the spreadsheet like she did, we actually figured out even though, you know, patients may think we were getting paid nicely with their plan, we were actually losing money on. And those are the first ones to get rid of. You know, we, you figure out how much time you're spending, how much resources you're using to see that patient and you're getting paid, let's say you're using $90 of resources and you're getting paid $80. Well, you're losing not $10 every time you see a patient on that plan. So, Dr. Gianoli, that's the one I'd recommend you get rid of first. And then we moved on to uh, the, the ones that we got paid the least and the ones that had the biggest hassle factor, which was interesting. And a lot of patients probably don't realize this, but even though an insurance company may promise they're going to pay you a really good uh, sum of money for any particular visit or procedure, 
what happens in reality is when you submit these documents to the insurance company, a lot of times the insurance company will say, well, you know, we don't think you should have done this one and we shouldn't have done that, so we're not going to pay you for those. So suddenly that big ransom, uh, nice uh, price of, uh, of money they promised you is significantly lower because they're denying so many different claims. Uh, another interesting observation after getting out of the system, when the patients are submitting the claims, very rarely do they deny payment to the patient uh, because the patient is also their client. They don't want their client upset, whereas they could care less if they upset the doctor because the doctor's not paying the premiums. The patient is. It was interesting to me that for Medicare, you were definitely losing money. Wasn't the... Uh, wasn't it costing you uh, 31 cents for every dollar of reimbursement? You, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it, that's probably uh, not too far off from it. We have to take a quick commercial break here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. More with Dr. Gianoli right after this. You know, and in in my practice, I mean, there are some of these insurances that we just flat out stop taking because they paid so little that it cost us more to do the paperwork to file the claim than we were ever getting back. Uh, and obviously, you found out, and you were smart enough to make to take steps because of it. But you found out that if you have to pay, take money out of your pocket in order to get less back, that's a definite losing proposition. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, but um, the, there was, um, there's this system, and I'm sure you, you know it, but for the listeners, it's called PQRI, where the government uh, for Medicare promises to pay doctors an extra uh, sort of bonus for doing, quote-unquote, good quality work. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily really good quality work. It's just a matter of, did you do these cookbook medicine-type processes, and did you fill out the paperwork appropriately and mail it in? And we did an analysis of that just out of curiosity. And for most practices, if they did everything the government uh, told them to do to get their little you know 1% or 2% bonus, whatever it was, they would actually expend more money in employee resource time then they would get paid by the government. And so their, their bonus, to get the bonus, you'd lose money. Plus, it also sets the doctor up for uh, a government audit that if they did not do everything uh, where they crossed their T's and dotted their I's, everything exactly correct, the government could come in and say, ooh, wait a minute, you didn't fill out this form and that form, boop, take away all your money again. So it's one of these things where I don't want to be involved with getting paid from the government at all. I, I, every way you look at it, it's just a bad deal. As a matter of fact, when I get um, consults from the hospital or from the emergency room or, or from the hospital and there's a Medicare patient, in that situation, even though I am opted out of Medicare, I could still bill Medicare because it's an emergency room. Oh, excuse me, an emergency uh, consult. But I still won't even submit the, the claim. I'll just do it for free because I don't want to take a dime of money from our government. So just to be clear, you are opted out. You are not non, there's participating, non-participating, and opted out. You are the third. 
Is that correct? Correct, correct. So I have no contract with the government other than that. I, I, uh, my patients uh, will pay me cash. The prices that I tell them, they have, the, they have, of course, they have the option to go see somebody else who's on Medicare, uh, and the, I will not bill Medicare for a dime. Uh, the only exception, like I said, is with emergency services, I can get uh, paid by Medicare. But even in that, I don't do it just because I don't want to have any entanglements with the government. You know, it's interesting for me that you talk about employing t- employee work time. And a lot, of, a lot of patients don't look at that or don't understand that that is an overhead cost. For instance, in my office, I have two employees who do nothing but fight with insurance companies. That's their job. Because like you said, you can c- cross all your, your T's, dot all your I's, you, you do the correct paperwork, all your codes are correct, uh, and you send it in and they still deny it or question it or give you some kind of hassle about it. And then you, they send it back to you and you need someone to sit there and go through it and figure out, well, why did they deny this? What do I have to change in order to get the reimbursement uh, that we actually deserve because we did provide the service in the proper manner. And the same thing was true with the PQRI. I took a look at that and I said, my God, it's going to take, we're, I'm going to have to hire a girl just to sit around to to go ahead and do all this stuff. And uh, that's when you start, when you put all that together, you start to understand how the system is really rigged against the physician. Uh, you know, I, the the that point is a good point with the mammogram thing. Remember I mentioned you can get a cash mammogram, 40 to $50, and, in, and say Medicare will pay 120 or, or and the private payers will pay more than that. Well, think about it this way. Why would the, the radiology unit want to accept 40 to $50 when they know they can get $150 from Blue Cross, say? And one of the deals is because one claim denied – they have a $20 an hour employee spending three hours on the phone trying to get that claim paid just ate up $120. Right, and that is the dollars and cents that people just, they, they really don't understand uh, how that really affects them. You know, uh, another thing that that we could talk about is you're a, you're a specialist. You're a highly specialized physician. And in many ways, I'm very similar to you because I'm also highly specialized uh, because of my training and because of all of the, the huge variety of services that I do provide for the eye. Uh, because I practice in the area I practice, I do everything. I was a retina-trained uh, surgeon, but I also do everything from cornea to retina because I'm pretty much by myself here. Um, so wouldn't you say that it is a general practitioner who's really going to be the one to primarily take advantage of going without third-party uh, ties? Well, those are certainly the ones that have done the most so far. Uh, back when my partner and I originally did this, less than 1% of physicians were doing third-party free medicine or cash-based practices. Uh, the latest I saw is 5 to 6% of doctors. But as you mentioned, most of them are primary care doctors. And I think the reason for that is it's basically 
it's easier because most of what they charge is significantly lower than other types of specialties. Uh, you know, for the most part, the most expensive thing they'll charge for is an office visit. And that's within most people's price range. Uh, similarly, patients that they're seeing tend to have multiple problems. And the way the third-party payer system is, you go to see your primary care doctor. He's only got time for one problem, and he's got to go see somebody else because he's not getting paid for it. Whereas now, with this you know, sort of uh, concierge-type medicine, you can pay for that extra time. So what the primary care doctors are selling is basically their time is what they're selling. And I think that's something that all of us can do. And, and my situation is different because I do much more expensive things. My prices are much higher, but still my overhead is higher, and I'm keeping it within a reasonable range based on what my, my competitors are charging as well. But you're absolutely right. The, 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 the uh, primary care physicians are mainly where you're seeing it. The other uh, specialties you're seeing in, obviously, plastic surgery, uh, you'll see it in other things that uh, aren't covered by um, insurance, like the refractive surgeries and ophthalmology. Um, you'll see it in some of the cosmetic things that dermatologists will do. Uh, as a matter of fact, a, n- a number of the dermatologists, because they have so many uh, cosmetic things they can do, they've gone third-party free because they don't. They can support. They know they can support themselves with the cosmetic stuff, and they'd love to do the other stuff too, but you know, on their terms, if you would. You know, you mentioned uh, refractive surgery or or LASIK. That's a really great example of how free market brings down cost and price. I mean, when LASIK first became available, it was expensive. It was hugely expensive. You were talking, you know, $3,000 an eye, $3,500 an eye, a huge amount. Now, because of the competition, those prices have come down so that you can get LASIK surgery for, you know, 20% of those those huge high prices. Then they bring in a new uh a new a new type of LASIK where they make the flap with a different laser. Well, again, that's now a higher price as that as that laser proliferates. We'll see that come down as well. So competition means that instead of having to pay Seven thousand, six or seven thousand dollars for both eyes and LASIK. You can get the whole thing done for a lot less—fifteen hundred dollars, maybe two thousand, depending on where you go. So then you can look for the best quality that you can find for a price range that you can afford, and you can get it now because of that competition factor that wasn't there in the beginning. Absolutely. I mean, competition fosters reduced prices and also improve quality. I mean, that's the two big things. And, and that's the exact opposite we're seeing with the intrusion in, of uh, insurance into health care. It reduces quality and reduces, I mean, in, in, in artificially uh, balloons up the price. That concludes this week's episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Tune in next week for part three. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Call me the mischief. 